Welcome to the Enchanted Ears Podcast, where we discuss anything and everything Disney. I'm Angela. And I'm Joan. On today's episode, we're going to be diving into the big Disney news of the week, and we're also going to be wrapping up our series of over-underrated attractions, wrapping up the Walt Disney World portion of it. We're finally getting to Hollywood Studios. Wow. It's been it's about time. Yeah. Been a long running. We've done, I think this is our sixth one, because we did Tokyo and then all the Walt Disney Parks. Exactly. All right. So, but before we get into that, some major Disney yeah, news came out some last hefty week. hefty news. Yeah, shortly after we, we finished recording uh, last week's podcast, or right after it got released, some big Disney news came out. So we'll start West Coast. Disneyland announced that they are ending the annual pass holder program. Now, they have been closed since last March, so you haven't been able to use your annual passes, but anybody who had an annual pass at the time is going to be refunded. It's a prorated refund. You're going to continue to receive your applicable discounts and benefits until they come up with a new program. But this really seems to be all around the fact that when they do reopen, so many people are locals and annual pass holders that they're not going to be able to open at full capacity. And so they are just canceling the program, which I, I, is, I think is a major blow to people who live in California. Right. I saw on the internet that there's rumors that they have upwards of a million annual pass holders, which is wow. basically everybody that goes to that park. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I could definitely see this not being a long-term thing. I think that this is just in their phased reopening, and I could absolutely see them recontinuing the program as soon as things go back to the new normal. So I think everybody, we've got to hang in there. This stinks, but yeah, the park's been closed since March, so we had to do something. Yeah, and they, they definitely said a new program will be coming in the future, but I, I think you're right. It, it's really a capacity issue. So, you know, the Florida parks are running at 35% capacity. If you open Disneyland at a reduced capacity of a 25, 30%, you're not going to be able to accommodate all of the annual pass holders that want to come in, plus people that aren't annual pass holders that, that want to go there for, for vacation. And so really, I think Disney's kind of looking at it as there's no real fair way to say, what annual pass holders can come which days yeah. or another. So I think they're, you know, they're just completely canceling it. And that way everybody's kind of on a level playing field. I, I do wonder whenever they do bring a program back, how quickly some people will come back because I do think people are probably upset that they're just kind of doing yes. this to annual pass holders, especially because it's been a year. I mean, people have been paying for an annual pass for the past year. Mm-hmm. They are going to get refunds. You know, who knows how that's going to work. That's probably going to take time to get a refund. But it is an interesting move, and you know this kind of coupled with the announcement we'll get to at Disney World, I do think Disney, it's been so prolonged, especially that Disneyland's been closed. They are, I think, hurting at the theme park level. I mean, they're, they're looking for ways, and this is going to hurt them because that's a lot of revenue. I mean, if you figure yeah. a million annual pass holders that you have to refund, that's a lot of money you're losing on top of you know the park's continuing to be closed for who knows how long at Disneyland. Yeah, I, I think that it's really easy to look at a big business like Disney and think, well, I mean, they're a big business, don't they? They have a ton of money. But if you really do think of it on a, on a different level, though, you, you they are impacted too. So they have to find ways just like you would have to in your own household to cut corners if you're losing a lot of revenue. So I mean, unfortunately, yeah, they've had to make some changes. And, and I mean, us as Disney lovers don't necessarily love them. They're not great. But at the same time, I mean, they don't really have, <laughs> at least at this, they don't have much of a choice. Yeah. I mean, I, I think Disney 
is on fine financial footing. I mean, they'll definitely right. get through this. Again, I, I do think the annual pass holders comes down to a capacity thing. Right. But I do think their other cuts are kind of directly to, related to that. Because again, if you have to refund all, all of that money, while that's Disneyland, they're going to make cuts at Disney World and some of the other parks mm -hmm. to make up for that lost revenue. And so one of the cuts it appears to be is the Magical Express. So <laughs> Disney announced basically a year ahead of time. So this doesn't go into effect until January 1st, 2022. But Disney will, will not be renewing their contract with Mir. So a lot of people may not know that. Disney doesn't actually operate the Magical Express. That's run by a third-party company called Mir's. So they're, they're canceling their contract. So the Magical Express will be no more as of January 1st, 2022. And they really announced it this early. So people, whenever 2022 dates open up, people are kind of aware of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, this is a huge blow. And I saw a lot of people commenting and i think rightly so that disney's just slowly whittling away and i think they've been forced to to an extent the on-site benefits so now you know that, that was a great benefit you got to the airport it was free transportation now you're gonna have to get an uber you're gonna have to you know pay for some other sort of transportation i really do think this is a direct cost-cutting measure and i don't honestly know what disney was thinking with this i mean i I don't think this makes a ton of sense, especially in their press release. They even mentioned that they're doing this, quote, because vacationers have more options to choose from than ever for transportation, including rideshare services that save time and offer more flexibility to go where they want, when they want. My issue with that comment is when you're arriving at the airport, you don't want to go anywhere else besides Disney. Yeah. So I can see that when you're on property and I'm, and I'm sure... They're running into that, that when you're on property, people are, it's it's easier than ever to leave property, go to Universal for a day, go to SeaWorld, go to other places because of things like Uber and Lyft. But when you're at the airport, there's no place you want to go. You don't need any <laughs> flexibility to go anywhere else. So I think that's kind of like a cop out in terms of their rationale for it's this. A, it's definitely like a spin. They've added a spin to it to make it sound not like a negative. I understand though from from the end point uh, where they're coming from because you figure I, whenever I think of the Magical Express, I think of when I get there. I love not having to get my bags. I love uh, just going and knowing that the transportation is already going to be there because it's you know Disney oriented. It's not you know Disney doesn't own the company like you said, but I know it's going to be there. It's reliable. We get greeted. Your experience almost it really starts at the airport. So that's one thing that I love, and then I love that the drivers premieres i mean i feel awful for them I, i'm sure that this is probably going to have an impact on their jobs they are always so amazing and they're great hype people for disney and you know they uh, almost i don't think i've ever ridden a bus where they don't make you cheer whenever you get on, onto disney property they're always amazing but on the back end of the experience you do have to go to the airport like three hours early so if you're going on a day that you already have park tickets I know that there are some people that would opt, that actually opt not to take the Magical Express back to the airport and they will take an Uber instead so that they can leave the park a little bit later. So from that perspective, I can understand that particular comment in the press, press release. Yeah, and I think that's the one, not necessarily positive of it, but yeah, the one thing that's not really a negative of it going away is, is you're right, the return trip in that I think the three hours early probably wasn't the best for guest satisfaction and it is nice that you don't have to go so early 
But really, getting to Disney, like you said, it was very easy, especially people mm-hmm. with young children who have car seats. It's not easy to get Ubers yes. or ride shares for those. And you're right. The, the luggage service was great. Now, that has not been in effect since Disney reopened in July. And I don't necessarily think those have to go hand in hand. You know, I know a lot of people, a lot of the comments were, oh, you know, I love not having to carry my luggage because um, they are building like a a train, a light rail train between the airport and Disney Springs. So some people think Disney's going to kind of use the train. They they expect people to use the train as kind of a replacement, but people are like, I don't want to carry my luggage. I think Disney could reinstitute some sort of luggage transfer because it's not like they got your luggage and put it on the Magical Express bus anyways. It you know it, it came on a separate transportation. So I think they could bring that back. And Mears has said that they're going to continue some sort of service. So I think there'll be other ways to do it. But I really do think, I mean, this just comes down to Disney saying, we need to cut costs somewhere. We're yeah. just going to get rid of this. I personally don't think that Disney has some grand plan for a future <laughs> service. I, I know a lot of people, you know, I've, I saw that on a lot of comments as well, where, hey, we just got to believe. I'm sure Disney's working on something even better <laughs> with the train coming. That's going to be great. But even with that train, it's going to drop you off at Disney Springs, and then you're going to need some sort of transportation. So you need a connecting flight, essentially, yeah, now. To, to your hotel. I mean, honestly, I don't know that Disney's thinking that far out at this point. I mean, I think they looked at it and said, our contract's up with Mears at the end of the year. We can save probably X millions of dollars. And again, I mean, people are going to be upset about it. But in all honesty, people are probably still going to go to Disney World. Yeah. If you if you rent a car, it's more expensive. Plus, now Disney makes you pay on property. It's a way for them, I think, that they can cut costs without really losing people from coming, quite honestly. And I honestly don't think they're thinking of, oh, we're going to have some even better service in the future. I, I mean, I think I also, if you think about it in terms of, you know, if they're cutting this cost as opposed to cutting cast members, I'd rather see them do that. Uh, it's it's just that's it a is, good point. It's reallocation of funds and trying to figure out where to cut corners so that you're not impacting people's lives. So, I mean, if it impacts me by being the vacationer having to find my own transport, but somebody else has a job, so be it. Like, yeah, that's fine. That's a good point. I mean, I who knows how this will impact Mir's employees, but yeah, maybe Disney's looking at this. Yeah, that's as, true, it's it's a third party <laughs> contractor and not cast members. Right. But again, I think Mir's will continue this. I mean, they own all the buses already. Yeah. I think they could very easily say, hey, it's it's $20 round trip per person. Yeah, I think Mears is going to be okay. <laughs> and and every, I mean, I would sign up for it. I would easily, if, if there was some inexpensive way, because I, I think Ubers are probably 40 or $50. And again, mm-hmm. that's if you don't take car seats, if you don't have a huge family. I mean, the two of us could probably do that for 30 bucks. But right. You know, if it was twenty bucks and everybody got on a bus like that or something round trip, I think Mirrors can can kind of keep this going. I personally don't see that Disney has some grand plan on this. I mean, this 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 was disappointing to hear. It does take the magic away a little bit. Uh, I, I agree with that, and and it is going to be yeah. you know kind of sad when you go on a trip and you don't have the Magical Express. But again, it's still there all this year. It's not until January of next year going away. But it, it is kind of frustrating to see that. But Again, I think Disney needs to do what they need to do just to kind of keep things going until they see where everything kind of shakes out. Yeah. And then something new coming to Disney World. So Disney also announced that in the American Adventure Pavilion, they're going to be having a new exhibit starting in February based on Pixar's Soul. It's going to be called The Soul of Jazz, an American Adventure. Uh, And it's actually going to be uh, narrated by Joe Gardner, the main character of Soul. So this is interesting. So I imagine this is kind of... So Jamie Foxx. Yeah, I guess so. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it says it's going to be featuring Joe Gardner, so it doesn't say okay. it's voiced by Jamie Foxx, but... Uh, I'm guessing maybe they'll use his likeness because I feel like they would say Jamie Foxx, but maybe not. Yeah, maybe they'll get somebody that sounds like him, which they mm-hmm. do. I think a lot of times you know, they get similar you know, voice actors, but but that's going to be in the American Adventure Pavilion. So I think that that's interesting. It's a nice way to integrate the new Pixar movie in the parks. I think it'll probably be in that like little gallery where they have, I guess, you know, probably rotating uh, kind of exhibits there that they'll have one on on kind of the history of jazz in America. And I think it fits in with the Festival of the Arts that's going on now. You know, kind of music, arts kind of go together. So I think launching that in February makes a lot of sense for Disney. So it'll be interesting to see. Again, kind of a nice way to, to quickly integrate Soul. It must be doing well on Disney <laughs> Plus because that's a pretty quick integration of the parks. You usually don't see movies come in that quickly. I think Frozen yeah. is probably the most recent movie that has had a full-scale attraction, but... You have to think. I mean, a lot of movies, even Zootopia. I was going to say, it took like two years for us to see anything Zootopia in the parks. And, and there's still very little Zootopia. I mean, there's some right. character meet and greets, but there's not any sort of exhibits or rides. Pins. Shanghai is getting an attraction there. So they, they usually move pretty slow with new things. So I'm I'm surprised that... Glacial pace. I'm surprised that this quickly, within two months after it launched. Yeah. Um, so they must have felt good about it going into the movie to kind of start this ahead of time. Yeah, or or it was something that they already had kind of, it kind of, you know, set up like, oh, we're going to do a thing on jazz because, again, it goes into a minority and, and talking about how minorities have contributed to America and then it just so happens also. Like, I mean, again, Disney, I think, thinks ahead more than that, but it, that is a really good integration with, with the movie that they just made. So I don't know. I don't know if they locked into that or not. Definitely. So moving on to our main topic for this week, I think this wraps up our over underrated series for Disney World. We've gone through all the other parks. We did not do Hollywood Studios because we had not ridden Rise of the Resistance. So that's why we were kind of holding off on finishing up Disney World with Hollywood Studios. But we have ridden it, so we can talk about this now. So for anybody who has not listened to our previous over underrated, what we do is we use touringplans.com. They have rankings and ratings from all of their users. So it, it kind of gives an average five-star out of five-star rating for all the attractions. And we use that. It's one of the many facets of what they do. Yes. Yeah, listen to our interview with Len Testa, who that's uh, his website. Yes, he's but- the president of, of Touring Plan. So yeah, they do really great. Uh, they do a lot around waiting in line and planning and your trip out. Yeah, yeah, planning and your, your trip. day out. Yeah, planning your trip, your day, so you don't wait in line too much. Um, but they have ratings on you know what's the best stuff to ride, restaurants, things like that. So, so we do this, and we're looking at just comparing to other attractions within Hollywood Studios. So this isn't across the park. So we're gonna go over over underrated in Hollywood Studios. So starting off here, I'm gonna go with an overrated. So I think that the Muppet Vision 3D being rated at four stars is a bit high. Uh, you know, it's a I would agree. The little buzzy dude whose name is Waldo C. Graphic, I found him really annoying. I did not like his character. I thought that the effect of him popping up and getting very close to us, he's the first completely digitized Muppet. He reminded me of the bee from one of the Pixar, original Pixar shorts when they were first showing off how mm. computer animation could work. He kind of reminded me of that, like whenever yeah. we whenever we saw it. But I agree with you. I think it this attraction, it's showing its age to an extent. Right. And I, I think that there are, of course, like wonderful parts to it. I enjoy the, you know, comments coming from the back. I enjoy the two old men um, 
and I can't remember their names right now, but that are on the side. I mean, they definitely make use of the theater, but I, I think that just rating it at a four stars is a bit much. I would maybe bump it down to a three. Uh, you know, if I'm feeling generous, maybe three and a half. Yeah, I, I completely agree. At, at four stars, and again, this is kind of comparing to the other attractions, that's too high. One of my other ones uh, that's overrated as another four-star attraction is Lightning McQueen's Racing Academy. <laughs> I have that one too. And, and when you look at those and then you compare it to what else is at four stars, so Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railways at four, um, you have Rock and Roller Coaster at four stars, you have Slinky Dog Dash actually at three and a half stars, which we'll get to in a little bit. Having those attractions at four stars is just too high. I agree with you. I think Muppet Vision is more three, three and a half stars. Again, with Lightning McQueen's Racing Academy, I think that's probably closer to three. It is really great to see the animatronic. They have a really great Lightning McQueen animatronic there. But outside of that... There's really not much going on in the show. Yeah, it's it's a pretty generic show that I, we saw it once, and I feel like I never need to see it again. Yeah, I think that if we ranked a, the Muppet Vision at three and a half stars, then you'd have to put Lightning McQueen at three because it's not as good as the Muppet Show. I don't think. Yeah, I, th- I, I think I there's would, more going on in the Muppet. I show. would rather go see Muppet Vision 3D again over Lightning McQueen. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I mean, I, basically, just continue. Well, no, that's not true. I was going to say continues the disappointment of the. Cars franchise, but Disneyland did an excellent job with the Cars franchise. Oh, yeah, Cars Land is great, and again, I think the <laughs> animatronic of Lightning McQueen is great. I just wish they would have had the a better. They would have had a better story or yeah, show yeah, for just, it to, to go around that. Yeah, it's not that great. And then for my final overrated, and please, people, do not kill me here. I am going to say Rise of the Resistance, rated at five stars, is overrated. Okay, I can see that. I, I think anytime you have anything at five stars, it's a hard bar to hit. And I think that, that brings in a lot of room for debate whenever you say something. This is a you know, knock dead five star. And I have to admit, I do have to say, you know, I have to be very nitpicky with these Hollywood Studios ratings because almost everything at Hollywood Studios is rated at a four star, four and a half star, five star. So it was it, it was very difficult to actually find rides that I thought were overrated um, and even harder to find. There's also less attractions at Hollywood Studios. I think that makes it more difficult. Right. And it was was even harder to find underrated. In fact, I only have two for underrated. But I think that Rise of the Resistance at five stars uh, is overrated because I think it's a really awesome ride that, you know, it has multiple rides in one, but most of the ride is staging. So, you know, like the, the cool scenes that you're part of and that you get to see. So, you know, if you're not a huge Star Wars fan, it's easy to appreciate the scale and the cool Disney magic that they have throughout the ride. Uh, but I could see if you went in and you could just ride it if you wanted to be able to ride it. You don't have to get the boarding groups and everything else because it's new. If you could just just go in and ride it, I don't really think that it may be the novelty would wear off I, I, over time. So I would rank this more at maybe like a, probably like a four and a half, you know, not too far off. Uh, it's still, you know, probably the best thing Disney's done, but it's not particularly thrilling. It's just the grandeur of the ride and the, the Star Wars story that sells it. Yeah, I will give you that. It's maybe not the most thrilling attraction, but it it definitely is the most technologically advanced. I mean, I think to your point where it's really just the set pieces of it, it's kind of an an unfair knock against it because what they do with trackless ride vehicles in this ride is something they've never done before. And and it's, it's an impressive leap in trackless ride. I mean, 
not only are your ride vehicles interacting, but they have unmanned ride vehicles as they kind of reload are part of the show and interact with you in the trackless environment. It's two stories. As you said, it's multiple attractions in one, your trackless ride then becomes not a trackless ride. I mean, I don't want to give too much away for people that haven't ridden it, but it it, it is really good. So I, I think some of those knocks are a little bit unfair. I do think, again, the biggest thing to your point is if you say it's five stars, it's very difficult to live up to that expectation, especially if you don't like Star Wars. And so I think that's where the problem becomes. If you're not bought into, especially the sequel, you know, I think if this was, right. if this was you uh, and Mando breaking into oh, a Star goodness. Destroyer. Oh my goodness, if this was me and Mando and Grogu, I'm all in. Yeah, I would say minor spoilers here if you haven't watched the finale of season two of The Mandalorian, so you may want to skip ahead. But if you rethemed this ride to... Mando's um, breakout of Grogu of, of Baby Yoda on Moff Gideon's Star Cruiser. Yes, I mean essentially it's the same ride. I'm you getting chills. Out, you change out some animatronics. I mean, I think people would say this is ten stars. Like how, I, it would be, it would be insane. The line for it would be out of control. Sidebar: How long do you think until we start seeing Mando and Grogu in the parks, like more predominantly? I know Grogu has like their little little dolls and things that you can purchase, but. How long? Yeah, we I mean, we didn't talk about this uh, in the news, but you know, a few weeks ago on actually Len's podcast, the Disney Dish, uh, he and Jim Hill were were talking about this that Disney is apparently looking into how can they bring in Mando, Ahsoka Tano, um, even Luke Skywalker, Boba Fett. How can they bring them into Batu? Because a lot of people don't care for the sequel trilogy. And it's so they want to see, they come in there and they go, well, where's Baby Yoda? Where's the Mandalorian? And, you know, Disney built Batuu to be kind of within canon fall between episode eight and nine. And so they're looking at how can we overhaul this and how can we change this out? I don't think they would go through as much to say, we're going to change out all the animatronics on Rise of the Resistance. I think that's a little step too far. But you could easily move the Millennium Falcon to be a different time period. I think you could easily have Mando walking around. I do think it's interesting because in Star Wars, in the Rebels series, there was this idea of time travel and this whole world between worlds portal system where Ezra, the, the Jedi in the Rebels series, actually interacted with people throughout different periods of time. So Darth Vader, Ahsoka Tanu, et cetera. So I think... You know, Disney could just say that Batu is near some Jedi temple that has these portals, and that's why randomly Darth Vader comes in, or Boba Fett comes in, uh, and or Ahsoka Tanu comes in, or you know whoever is going to be popular in one of these other Star Wars movies they're building uh, or filming. You know, have them in there. So yeah, I I think we are going to see some of these characters in here, and I think that's fine. I mean, I don't care if it's you know, canon in one time period. I think I would prefer to see just all my favorite characters, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. I I just think that the Mandalorian characters are so much more... I think they're just more accessible. I, I think that Star Wars a lot of times gets very caught up in the logistics of the war, of the this, and if you're not... Like, of those kind of things, and if you're not really into that particular topic, it does become a little bit dense to try to navigate. So Mandalorian being more a story that focuses on a character who's trying to do what's best and to try like, you know, battling with his own demons and battling with his own morality. Um, I think that's far more relatable. And I think that that's something that really would open up 
the park to a lot more people. Yeah, and I think just the way Lucasfilm is planning to go with their movies and TV series, they do not seem to be extending the Skywalker saga or even the sequel trilogies. It's all about these kind of other characters and talking about the old Republic or talking about the, the rebels of the new Republic or talking about the Mandalorian or Boba Fett. And so I think that direction they're heading is going to force Disney to change how they look at Galaxy's Edge. I mean, I know they were trying to make it like, like Harry Potter at Universal where you have Diagon Alley. It fits into a certain time period of the movie. But I, I really don't think you need that. I really don't think you need that within Galaxy's Edge. The ride can take place at a certain time period, sure. But who cares if you have those characters walking around? I think that's a good expansion for it. And I think they're going to have to do that because... To keep it relevant. Yeah, I mean, the next five to ten years, I think, are, are going to be that new characters go- anyways. That is going to be Star Wars. It's not going to necessarily yeah. be some of the old representations of Star Wars that we've seen. Exactly. I mean, even you know with the Obi-Wan series I and mean, there's a potential that there's a resurgence of Obi-Wan Kenobi and people want to see, you know, him in, him in star Wars. So also for overrated, I had this one, I think this one may be a little controversial. So I said tower of terror. And the only you reason I that. said this one is again, it's listed at five stars and I think it's a, it's a great attraction, but I think five stars is a little much. And again, comparing to some of the other attractions where you have toy story mania at only four and a half stars where you have uh, Fantasmic at only four and a half stars. Where you have <laughs> that's a good one. If Fantasmic is only four and a half stars, how can Tower? Yeah, you have Mickey and Minnie's at four stars. I really think. I mean, Tower of Terror is great. I think Tower of Terror is more a four star. I'd say, and I also think that is colored by the fact that I have been on yeah. Mission Breakout Tower of Terror over in uh, Disneyland. I think even even the uh, Hotel High Tower at Tokyo Disney Sea, I think, has better theming. I, I think I just probably really don't care for the it's the Twilight Zone, the Twilight Zone as much. And, and I think, yeah, it's it's probably one of the weaker Tower of Terrors. And I think five stars. It's it's thrilling. It's fun, but I don't think it's five stars. Okay, yeah, I I agree. I didn't put that down, but I could I could see it. So I'm kind of into my underrated at this point. So the first one that I have is underrated is Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Rail at four stars. Definitely. That's definitely underrated at four. Again, comparing it to what we've just been talking <laughs> yeah. about as five stars, having that at four, uh, I think is a crime. It's not even four and a half. That's, that's a great attraction. Right. It is. It's amazing. So I think that putting it at five stars would be a little difficult. Uh, I think that there are knocks against the ride, which I'm going to talk about in a second, but it's definitely a four and a half star uh, it is one of the best attraction, if not my favorite attraction in the park. And uh, Chuby's worth one star. Alone. I was just going to say, you know why? Chuby, you ruined my joke here. <laughs> <laughs> so Chuby, of course, in and of Great itself. Great minds think alike. And of course, like Chuby, you know, the fact that they have so much merch around him, which is hilarious, which I guess kind of feeds into this fact that Chuby's really not even a main character in the thing. He's kind of a side character that you kind of can develop an interest in and uh, he's almost like a like an Easter egg almost. Sidebar question for you. They're building Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway in Disneyland. Do you think Chuby becomes more integral to the story? Do you think he's he in there more than twice? He's got to be. I think so too. I, I think, mean, I think it, they changed a little bit. It and put would Chuby be in more. so easy for them as, you know, they are Mickey and Minnie are 
running through the different scenes to put Chuby as a bird that's flying on the wall. I mean, there are birds that look like Chuby, but they aren't him. So I'm, I'm wondering what they were thinking that he only appears at the beginning and, and the end. So I would like to see him throughout or maybe see him assist them in accomplishing their goal. Yeah, I don't think they can change it that much where he probably interacts not. with them because it's probably going to be pretty much a clone. But I think, like you said, there's so much artwork and things going on that they could throw him in there a little bit more or just add him to some projection mapping. That or have him performing because, again, the backstory of Chuby is that he's a performer. So maybe all this craziness is going on and he's like kind of just doing his own thing, enjoying himself. So he has no – he's kind of clueless to the whole thing. Yeah, the, I think that would be funny. The amount of merchandise they have for Chuby at Disney World leads me to believe they they really think they got a hit here and they're going to lean on him. So – I would not be surprised if the Disneyland version is slightly different in that regard. Yes, I agree. Also, you know, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Rail, there's so many bright colors. There's a lot of action going on from one scene to the next. It feels a lot of this. The story feels very urgent. Uh, You know, you trying to prevent uh, the runaway rail uh, from like Mickey and Minnie trying to kind of save you because they kind of mess things up a little bit. Uh, it, It feels very imminent um so it's a very it's a very fun ride i also think it's one you can ride more than once so in the same way that kind of like toy story mania is a very it's an easy ride to ride multiple times in a day versus like tower of terror if you rode that a few times in a day it could make you sick potentially i mean just the the, you know the dropping and everything or like rock and roller coaster they're a little bit more intense so it's not maybe something you want to ride a lot in a day but yeah i mean toy story mania you know there's a lot going on there there's a lot of different things going on. Same with Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. And so if you look at Toy Story Mania, it's actually four and a half stars. So I think it kind of goes to that, that I, I see those as kind of similar attractions. And so I think that, yeah, definitely four and a half stars, I think, for Mickey and Minnie's. Right. And I think that you, it can't be, I don't think I see it as a five star attraction because to me, the Daisy Duck Room feels very forced and out of place well i think that and even the fact that you get a slightly different perspective depending right. on what car you're in right knocks it down a little bit right and i i think you know going back to that daisy room that room almost seems like it was created simply for the fact to be able to say look what these trackless vehicles can do um it so it kind of felt it was a break in the story it kind of pulls you out a little and you're wondering you're kind of left wondering what did this have to do with this whole story story um, yeah. and again if you're on a runaway rail why would you be in the middle of a dance studio I don't, it, it's just it's a little a little strange yeah it, it's definitely them trying to show off how they can coordinate the trackless rides but it does not do it as well as Pooh's honey hunt right. in, in that dancing sequence and i think they should have gone for more something like that Absolutely. where the cars are interacting with each other but they're also interacting with scenery Ooh. in a dancing motion i think that's a, a better use of that technology right i think in that scene where you're coming out of the there's that room with the the tornado and you go under the water i think that they could have done more i th- probably by reconfiguring the amount of space they had again if they got rid of that daisy room they could have maybe rejiggered where they have things and made that twister scene a little more dynamic instead of you passing through the room with the twister maybe they expand that out and your cars spin and move into different places oh, okay, so you're just saying yeah mm-hmm. oh, yeah that, that would be good I, I think another one i had that is underrated is slinky dog dash <laughs> I, th- I think this it's a it's a good ride i mean it, and by no means is it the most you know thrilling attraction i think it's decently thrilling though it's a roller coaster it's a launch coaster but it's only at three and a half stars. And I think that's really low, you know, especially when you look at 
again, some of the stuff that we said is four stars or, right. or even Toy Story Mania at four and a half. I, I think Slinky Dog is just as good as Toy Story Mania. And so I, I think, you know, when you have it... Disagree. A, <laughs> I mean, that, again, this is kind of where I'm coming from, but I think a full star behind it is a little much. I think I think Slinky Dog Dash is at least a four star. Okay. I would maybe put it even up at four and a half, but... I mean, can star- we do 4.25 stars? Sure. I mean, but Star Tours <laughs> is at four stars. Oh, wow. You know, the, the Star Wars launch bay, which is just a merchandise walkthrough, is at three stars. So to say Slinky Dog is only half a star ahead of that or a half a star behind Star Tours, I think is underrated. Slinky Dog is better than that. It's a, it's a better attraction. It's, it's a fun ride. It, it's at least four stars. <laughs> I feel like you're a parent lecturing its child like... Yeah. I know you, Slinky Dog, I know you're better than Who that. Who are these people saying that's only three and a half stars? Yeah, I don't know. My last one that I think is underrated is the Alien Swirling Saucers. Uh, you know, they're not nearly the most visited ride in this land, but it's only rated at a three stars. And Yeah, that does know, feel a little low for it. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, people look at this ride, and whenever I would pass by it before, again, this is before when... You know, we didn't spend an entire day in a park because there was pop park hopping. So since we had to actually spend the full day in Hollywood Studios, we were kind of left to this, okay, well, we can ride this, you know, Mickey and Minnie's 27 times, or we can try some of these other rides that we haven't really gotten a chance to try yet. So when we got onto Alien Swirling Saucers and we were waiting in line, I'm like, oh, so this is essentially like a whip type ride. Um, That's essentially what it is. But I think it's awesome because the lines are always seem to be a little bit smaller. I think that the there is a really cool ride mechanic where it's not just a whip because you switch tracks. So you go from there's basically three different tracks and you go from place to place. And I think the theming in this ride is a lot of fun. I mean, those uh, those aliens and the different scenes in there and the the little um, hit the me little with that alien s- spaceship cars. Hit me with a little bit of that alien. Ooh. Yep, there you go. <laughs> I think to your point, I think people look at it as kind of a more off-the-shelf attraction where it's just it's not something that, you know, Disney designed this amazing new ride mechanic for it. And I think that's probably why people knock it some and they're like, and it does get a little bit repetitive, but you're right. I mean, it, it is exciting that you're switching tracks and I didn't even realize it did that. Even from watching right. it, I, I kind of could tell it switched a little bit, but I didn't realize you went, you know, all three. And it's fun. I mean, sure, it's short. It's a couple minutes, but it's a good attraction. It's not three stars. I mean, it's it's definitely right. better than that. Again, compared to some of these other ones we talked about where like the launch bay is three stars. That's like you just walking through and maybe seeing BB-8. Like, I, you know, it's just yeah. there's more going on here. Yeah, absolutely. So I think that I'd bump this up to three and a half. For, I think four might be a bit high, but at least it's at least three I and think a half 3. stars. 3.9. Yeah, 3.9. I like it. This is kind of, I feel like it's like a dance, like, you know, whenever people do, do dances and you push put up the thing, like we're like, on a reality TV show. It's like ice skating. Yeah. They yeah. 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 4.7. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I think that's, I think that's good. And like you said, I think a lot of the stuff is, there's not a lot of attractions in Hollywood studios. And I, and I think like you said, a lot of the stuff is, is pretty fairly rated, but I think there are some ones like we talked about that kind of stand out. And I think you could probably argue some of these other ones again. You know, how much do you like stuff? I imagine there's a lot of people that ride Rise of the Resistance that go, ah, that's like three, four. Because again, if you don't like Star Wars, if you don't like specifically Kylo Ren, it's a fun ride, but 
a big part of it's that story. If anybody says it's a three, they there's a piece of them that's missing. I think a little bit. Yeah, I think it's I mean, just the four. Gra- yeah, yeah. I was gonna say the grandeur of the ride is just and the trackless impressive. and the trackless ride technology. I mean, that's right. something we we really haven't had in Disney World before. I mean, now we're gonna have we have two now, and then with Ratatouille. Uh, that'll be the the third one, you know. So I mean, right. we have more rides now, so it's not necessarily uh, as unique a ride experience. But the way Rise does it is unique. But yeah, just I mean, just going into the room with the at ats is <laughs> insane. I mean, it's, it's worth it for that. You don't really have to love Star Wars that much just to be it's, impressed by how they did I, that. I will say that I mean, a lot of my my experience with that was colored by the fact that I felt very pressured to get out of the room with all of the um, stormtroopers and stormtroopers are like my favorite part of star wars so the fact that i couldn't just stand there and stormtroopers are the whole ride they're just shooting at you the whole time so (laughs) so i I think that that pretty much wraps up our over underrating of hollywood studios so we are we're done with disney world now maybe in another couple years once some of all these new attractions open up we can take a look at epcot again or or magic kingdom once they get some of their new rides but uh, but it's good. So we've we've done all of Disney World. We've also done uh, Tokyo Disney. So be sure to listen to those. Maybe if we get back to Disneyland sometime soon, we can go through Disneyland and DCA. Yes. I think we need to get there again. One time, I don't think we did enough to we, kind of really yeah, rate we it. We definitely are not experienced enough to comment. Exactly. So I right, want to thank everybody again for listening. We really appreciate it. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. It really helps. Also, make sure you check us out on Facebook. We're Enchanted Ears over there. We also have a private Facebook group, the Enchanted Ears family. YouTube. And if you want to see our face, I was just going to say that. Check us out on, on YouTube. We have some big things planned for this year coming up. We have some, some great video ideas. Hopefully, you guys enjoy them. So be sure to check us out, Enchanted Ears on YouTube. Subscribe. So you're the first to know about all of our videos. Thanks for letting us your ears. Have a great week, everybody. And we'll see you here next Monday. Bye-bye.